Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast, where we connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories and chat about topics relevant to today's modern women. Here are your inspired women. Hi, I'm Jules. I'm the CEO of Julie Clyde Creative, and I'm hanging out again with my best friend, Megan. Hi, I'm Megan Hall. I'm the founder of Megan Hall Motivation, and today we have my friend Erin with us. Erin just featured me on her newsletter for her business, so it's kind of uh, ironic that we have her on the podcast today. So I want to introduce you guys to Erin. She's amazing, and she has so much to offer, and she has so much life experience that we are just excited to have her on. So Erin has spent the last 21 years in and around the military community. Having no previous experience with military life, she quickly adapted to the life of a military spouse, having PCS 18 times. So for anybody who is not military, that means she moved 18 times. That's a lot, a lot. Um, and often moving more than once at each duty station. She truly understands the ins and outs of moving, finding a home, and selling or settling in a new area, which is great because Erin is a realtor. <laughs> so Erin has been recognized by the White House, Dr. Jill Biden, Department of Army and numerous local and civic organizations over the years for her commitment to the military community and local communities she has lived in. Currently, she serves on the board of directors for the Military Family Advisory Network, the Millspo Project, and we've mentioned the Millspo Project before um, on multiple occasions on this podcast, and is an integral member of the Hampton Roads Military Employment Group. Erin has received numerous awards for her service in working with military families, including the Order of Our Lady Loretto. Is that right? Loretto? Okay, good. Right. <laughs> Award, Fort Riley's Volunteer of the Year Award, U.S. Army Ordnance Corps, <laughs> of the Flame Award, and was the finalist for Military Spouse of the Year for flagship news in the Hampton Roads area. She's an entrepreneur, military family activist, and civic leader, and holds a degree in business administration and marketing. Erin has a passion for helping those who need it, and has channeled that passion into her goal into her goals of helping her clients find their new homes in Hampton Roads, Virginia. And we are so happy to have Erin here. I mean, seriously, I've known this lady for what has it been about two years, Erin, that we've known yeah. each other? Yeah. Yeah, I think I just gave you a mouthful to read there. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, you're That's good. Right. You're good. No, but I mean, it really shows people how much you truly care about this, not only just this area, but the military community. And I think that like plays really well into your story and what we really want you to share. So I know I've, you know, we both have a similar story with being single moms and the struggles that we went through, but mm -hmm. you were a single mom for quite some time and mm -hmm. you had to make some real sacrifices for your kids. So tell us a little bit about what happened. What brought you to being a single mom of three wonderful children? I have, um, I have some bonus kiddos. Bonus, bonus kiddos. So, yeah, in my life. So <laughs> I like that. There's nothing step about them. They're bonus kiddos in my life as well. So I know I, I like bonus kiddos much better. And my husband will fight me on like, they're not my stepdaughters. They are my right. kids. And I'm like, yeah, hey. yeah. I'm, I'm, I, they have wonderful mothers, but, um, I get to have the bonus of having them in my life too. So I love that. So what brought you to, um, being a single mom with your kiddos? You know, um, Megan and Jules, I was, um, 16 when I had my first child. So I was a baby having babies. Um, and so that was kind of, um, I know that that's probably a surprise to most people, 
I frequently get, you know, my oldest is 22 years old now. Um, so you guys can do the math and figure out how it makes me now. Um, but, um, you know, I was 16, um, had a baby uh, and married my high school sweetheart. And uh, he went in the military. And so my life kind of went from, you know, hanging out after school to raising a child and quickly being a military spouse, having never been around the military community before. My family, you know, I did not, I was not raised in a family that had people in the military. So it was a huge culture shock for me to go from my little enclave in Tampa, Florida to, um, you know, moving to Fort Hood, Texas. So I was an army spouse, uh, which is what I like to consider the middle of nowhere in Texas. Everything is so brown, I can't even tell you. And then when you pull on an army base, it's even more brown. Like you wouldn't think something could get more brown than <laughs> Central Texas. But I promise you, when you go to Fort Hood, um, it, it or back in the early 90s, I hear everybody keeps telling me it gets better. It's, it's better in Fort Hood, Texas now, but I won't believe it till I see it. But, you know, so that was a real shocker to me in my life. Um, and, you know, we got to Fort Hood, um, quickly adjusted, and my, my soldier went immediately to the field. Um, and they were prepping to for a move overseas. We found out within four to five months. And lo and behold, because apparently I didn't know where babies came from, I was pregnant again. <laughs> but, um, you know, so... I quickly went from, you know, from, you know, finishing up my high school life to becoming a mother immediately to becoming this wife. Um, and really my life kind of went in this like sideways fashion that I had not foreseen it to go. Uh, you know, or I wasn't foreseeing it going uh, originally. And so, you know, I felt like that's kind of where looking back on it, I feel like I was treading water for many years. I'm just trying to keep my head afloat. I'm trying to stay on top of everything. I immediately moved overseas. Um, I think I was um, 17, not quite 18 years old at this point. Um, we moved overseas to Germany. Within 30 days, I had my second child of living overseas. So I'm a 17-year-old kid in a German hospital giving birth to my second child. So I can only imagine, and I'm sure my mother will listen to me uh, to this and I apologize because I can only imagine now being the mother of you know 20 year olds like how freaked out she must have been um, but you know I feel like that kind of that's that's kind of what it was it was like this it feels like for 20 years I was constantly on this like just keep going just keep going just keep going just stick with it stick with it and you know it, it got to those last few years in the in the 20 years where I think you know, my ex-husband and I kind of saw where things weren't really going well. And, and, and we were really, really young when we met. I mean, he's a couple of years older than me. I won't out him, but he's a few years older than me. We get along. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's a few years older than me. And I think we kind of realized, like, this wasn't necessarily the person that we were supposed to end up with. Um, neither one of us. And I think we were getting on in that stage of life where our kids were growing up, they were getting older and it was, how do we find um, happiness for ourselves and being married to a soldier and for a long time being married to a special operations soldier, um, he was never home. I mean, we went through multiple deployments. Um, we went through a 16 month deployment. I mean, 16 months straight 
of a deployment overseas. I mean, and so I was a single parent, I would honestly say a majority of my life, um, my married life. Um, and that's not even putting it, um, you know, that's not exaggerating in any way, shape or form. And we had separated once before. So I spent a lot of time um, parenting alone. Um, and, you know, at the end, when you, my husband and I, my ex-husband and I decided to split, it was just kind of, it was a really hard, but mutual decision um, to find happiness. And I think that's the first time I really realized that I had been just trying to get by for 20 years. So at, at I think at the time I was 34 years old and I was exhausted. I felt like I was, you know, in my late 60s, 70s. I had lived this entire lifetime at this point. Um, and so I found myself really exhausted, but really exhausted with three kids completely by myself at this point. I did, I, you know, I lived in Virginia still. My family's still all in Florida. Um, and I had three kids that really needed me still. So it was a huge wake up call to like make a change um, for my mental health at the time. Um, and so that was since then, and it's been four, four and a half years since then, it's been a lot of changes. Um, a lot of things have changed in my life and it's, and my life has gotten so much brighter is the best way I can explain it. So it's been, it's been a really great journey. And people see you now, Erin, and they're like, wow, she's doing really well. She has all these accolades. She's really successful. But it wasn't always like that. I remember you sat down with us um, after Embark, the Millspo Project Conference last year, and you were like, listen, guys, like it might seem like all rainbows and butterflies, but I had some real struggles. And you were telling us a little bit about what kind of sacrifices you had to make for your kids um, after mm -hmm. you left your ex-husband. So can you share a little bit of that with us? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, um, you know, and I'm, I'm one of those folks that I, I hit it really well, the struggles that I went through for 20 years. I'm an incredibly private person, which probably doesn't seem like it right now. But typically, I'm a pretty private person. Um, and I'm not very good at asking for help. Megan, you and I talked about this the other day. I'm like the last person who asked for help because I'm constantly um, just doing it on my own. And I think is you know, that's one of those things that military spouses, I think, frequently do. You just figure it out. You do it on your own. You don't, you know, oftentimes you don't have family around or, um, you know, the friends you had for a month. Now they've PCS or they've moved on to somewhere else. And so you're you're you know, you find yourself frequently alone. So, you know, for me, um, when I I would always try to have it all together. Um, and I think when when I got divorced I or when we decided to divorce the day we decided to do to divorce I had I think it was about 80 cents in the bank for three kids um so I had no money and 80 cents in the bank and um luckily at the time I worked for an amazing organization a nonprofit organization for military spouses that has always supported me and so um you know that was really really um really lucky um but there were there were so many times where i you know there was forget getting your hair done like you weren't getting your hair done you getting your nails done like i struggle even now that i'm not struggling anymore to do those things to spend the money on those things because we were eating five dollar footlongs 
because that was the what we could afford in splitting five dollar footlongs, you know, because McDonald's was more expensive, you know, and, and that's what we could afford. And I wasn't divorced yet. I didn't qualify for any kind of assistance. Um, and, you know, so there was so many things that we, you know, I was constantly, um, you know, getting disconnect notices in the mail. My, my power was going to get shut off. The water was going to get shut off. Um, you know, my car was falling apart, but there was no options. Um, you know, and my kids are amazing and they never asked for anything. I mean, they would go without and not tell me for things that they needed. Um, and, and it just became this constant, you know, again, I, I wasn't holding my, you know, just paddling through and holding my head up as I was before, just to kind of not pay attention to some of the emotional struggles. Now I felt like all of a sudden I was paddling to keep a roof over our heads, to keep food of some sort on the table. You know, if it was ramen noodles, it was ramen noodles, but you had food in your belly. Um, you know, and that became the largest struggle for me until I started working more and more and taking on um, additional contract opportunities and things like that. Um, and so my entire life became around, revolved around the kids and, and working to make ends meet. And that's really um, allowed me to avoid dealing with a lot of other things too. So I, I kind of just shifted not dealing with things throughout my marriage um, getting, you know, deciding to get divorced to be happier, but then realizing that the the money struggles and the financial struggles that I was going through, um, I was just going to avoid, you know, the mental aspect of that and what that was doing to me by working more and at least trying to cover up those things. And so it took me another good two years to even deal with any of the things. And so I threw myself into my kids and I threw myself into work and, and I think I kept just paddling through. So I spent another few years paddling through. So you spent a couple years paddling through. Now, have you taken steps to help you deal with all of that that you went through now that things are a little <laughs> less, a little less? You know, I, I have. I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, you know, my son, my oldest had graduated from high school. My daughter was graduating in a couple months and, you know, another girlfriend of mine, a really close girlfriend of mine was also going through her marriage kind of coming to an end. And I was watching her date and, and I finally realized I didn't want to be alone anymore. And I thought, well, maybe it's time to start dating. Um, so before I started dating, I tried to put um, onto paper what I wanted out of my life if I was going to move forward with somebody else and what I was looking for in that other person. And I had to do a lot of self introspection um, because for a long time I avoided the problems that I caused in my marriage. Um, Cause there were some glaring obvious problems on for the other person's part in the, in my marriage. Uh, but I really didn't, you know, I put all that blame on him and didn't step back to look at where I could have, um, had a part, played a part in the disillusion of my marriage and my relationship and other relationships too. So not just my marriage, but other things, you know, where was I, where was I going wrong across relationships in my life at that point? And so I kind of tried to take a step back and, and see where I could improve on myself 
um, take more accountability, stop the avoidance. Cause I'm a really big avoider. Like if I don't deal with it, it's not there. Um, and that was for a long time. That was not only in relationships, but that was from financial aspects. It took me years to finish school because I would avoid doing homework and just put it on the back burner. Um, you know, okay. and so I had to kind of stop, you know, stop avoiding things. I still have to work on this sometimes. Um, but I, I had to try to stop avoiding things and start dealing with them. And so when I started realizing that um, there were faults that I also had in in my marriage coming to an end, I realized how I could improve on those and how those would be faults for any relationship that I were to get into if I didn't deal with them. And so I knew that I wanted to have a successful relationship, that it was time for me to have a successful relationship and that I deserved it. Um, I have some really good cheerleaders in my corner. My, my younger sister is a huge cheerleader of mine and she's always telling me how I deserve things and I deserve all these great things. And so I finally started listening for so long. I just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and I finally started listening, but I wanted to make sure that I was in the place to accept what I deserved as well as, um, to give back. Right. Like, so I wanted to mirror and match what I wanted. So if I want this really great guy and I want this really great relationship, am I putting that same thing out there? Um, something my mother told me years ago, you know, look in the mirror and make sure you're giving out what you want to receive. And so that's kind of what I did. I spent a little bit of time of introspection. Financially, I was working a lot um, and things were getting better there. Um, and I, you know, decided to start dating again. And um, that was really very quick and uh, painless. I hate to say that. Sorry for anybody who's stuck in the dating pool. I got lucky right out the gate. Um, and so I, you know, I met, um, it's so weird to say my boyfriend, but um, I met my boyfriend, <laughs> I'm almost 40, but um, I met my boyfriend and uh, he was the first guy I really dated. And um, I got really lucky. And I really do think though, a lot of that came from spending so much time with myself and really spending time on myself for a long time and not, not, I mean, sometimes I think rushing into things could work, but for me, it just really, I had to take some responsibility in my life and the things that the choices that I made, the choice to get pregnant at 16, the choice to drop out of college, to go back, drop out again, go back, um, the choice to make different career decisions because I've had a multitude of different, um, careers and industries that I've worked in. And so I had to really take a long, hard look at my entire life. Um, and now I think that because of that, I feel so much more, um, I actually do feel successful for the first time. I'm like, honestly successful. I finally feel like I'm not just saying that I truly do feel honestly successful for me in whatever capacity that means. I love that. Cause I've, I've known you, like I said, I've for like two years. And when I first met you, you are a completely different Aaron than the Aaron I met and to see you like grow and change from the time that I met you to now, it's just been amazing. And, you know, I know you were still struggling a little bit when I first met you and now, mm -hmm. and now like you do, you do have, you know, this more of this air around you. Like I got some stuff together. I've got this. And I love how you're saying that you took ownership of your part in your life, because I feel like that's a big part of what's missing all around is people are, are, wanting to give blame to everybody else around them 
it's this person's fault, it's that person's fault, it's this situation's fault, and not saying, like, what role did I play in this happening? Like, what did I do personally? And I love that, Aaron. Was there something, Jules, that you wanted to ask Aaron? No, I was going to say that's called the too hard basket in Australia. We put everything in the too hard basket and just, like, yeah, don't push deal it away it. and don't deal yeah. with it. Yeah. So yeah. It, I was just too busy listening to your story. <laughs> I still, um, you know, I still put things in the too hard basket. Um, yeah. I do. Um, but now, you know, for me, it's so important to go back to the basket. Right. So I used to put things in the too hard basket and never deal with them again, whether whatever they were. I mean, in this, I, I can't even tell you it was everything. I was financial mess. I was a mess emotionally. Mm -hmm. I was a mess in so many relationships, friendships, my marriage, uh, my family relationships. Uh, you know, and, and I would constantly put them in that basket and walk away and never to look at them again. Now, I will say I'm also a firm believer in not like miring yourself down with the things in the basket, right? So you can pull them out of the basket, take a look at them, deal with them, but then you have to move past them. Um, so I think frequently, um, you know, especially I talk to a lot of kids in their 20s. Obviously, my kids are in their 20s. Um, and I see a lot of times where they're just drowning themselves instead of, you know, so they're not avoiding, which is good. But instead, they're miring themselves down in the in the mess and the muck that they're in. And I think sometimes that can kind of create additional issues and you can really live in, in a messy world. And and so I think you, you deal with it and then you move on. And I think that's been kind of my recent success for myself personally. Um, and I'm still I'm still working on it and it's something I do all the time. And I definitely don't get as upset as I used to. I think my kids will tell you that I used to be I think there was a video a couple of years ago where there was a, a a guy who was pretending he was his mom and running around the house and cleaning up because company was coming and it was absolutely ridiculous and he was freaking out and yelling and nonsense was ensuing that was me I was that mom like that was me all the time I was that woman who would freak out and I was constantly entertaining and my poor kids would have to deal with it and I'd always be screaming and yelling and you know um and now I'm just like, I try to roll so much more with the punches and nothing is that bad. And I think that comes with age a little bit too, I think, or so, you know, my older friends all tell me all the time, my mother and everybody else tells me all the time, you know, um, but I, I definitely don't get upset as much. I don't freak out in traffic like I used to because I'll get there eventually, you know, so I'm trying to like slow down a little bit um, and, and think more positively. What would you say was your biggest... Um, was the biggest catalyst for this change in you from, mm. you know, like you're struggling and you're struggling and you said you're like, you're the yelling mom. I know. Cause I used to be the yelling mom too. Like full fledged, like red face, like, I'm still watching a great while it does happen. I just, it's cause everything has just happened at once. But, um, what was the catalyst for that change from all of that struggle and everything like that to where you are today? So, you know, years and years ago, I think it was in a movie or I don't even remember where I heard it. But, you know, when I when my marriage was coming to an end, it was kind of one of those things where I'd heard somebody mention one time, you know, I can do bad by myself. I don't need to do bad by you with you. And so, you know, that was kind of the big decision for me. Like I can go and do bad by myself and I'll figure it out. But I don't need to be miserable with somebody else. See, like that's compounded misery. 
And so I think when I walked away, I realized that I had truly been, um, and, you know, no offense to my ex-husband, but I had truly been very miserable. And I'm, I'm sure he was too, um, for so many years. And I was just truly exhausted. I mean, I, I felt like I had not slept in 20 years. I, it, it, I don't, I don't even know if it was depression or what I felt, but I was miserable. I was unhealthy. I was um, very angry all the time. I don't know that I was enjoyable to be around where I used to laugh and have a good time and be fun. I had lost all of that. And I wanted, I didn't want that in my life anymore. I wanted something different. And I realized that the only person that could ever give me something different was going to be me. It was not going to be anybody else that was going to come into my life and that I had to make the decision. Um, and it's, again, it's still something I struggle with. You know, I can easily let work or, you know, somebody else pull me down and then I have to turn around and go, well, that's not, it's not worth it. Um, in the end, and life, life is truly short, you know, and I'm, it's a conscious effort. I think every day to make decisions, to be happy and to be, um, positive into, you know, just keep moving forward. Cause it's, it's small stuff in the end. I've dealt with ginormous big issues in my life. So these little things, like I have a to-do list that's two pages long and nothing's crossed off today. I used to go into crazy panic attacks, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, I used to go into crazy panic attacks and, you know, tonight my boyfriend walks in and I was like, see that to-do list? I haven't checked anything off. And he was like, why? I was like, because I was putting fires out all day. You know, and it is what it is. Because guess what? When I wake up tomorrow, it's going to be there and nobody's died. You know, nobody has died. It's it's going to be okay. It's always there. There's always a to-do list. Let's be real. So Yeah, and it never ends. You're like continually adding to that list, whether you like it or not. It's like to-do jail. <laughs> you just, right. you're never getting out. Right. Just be happy when you're in there and keep marking lines off the wall to make yourself feel better. <laughs> exactly. I do try to delegate a little more. I'm really lucky now. You know, one of those things I looked for in a partner is somebody who um, somebody who was willing to kind of like step up quite a bit and accept my crazy work schedule and the fact that I am involved in way too many things. And I am truly blessed. I mean, I can't, it's so weird now. I mean, it's such a different world for me to have somebody who walks in the door and goes, what do I have to do for dinner? Okay, I got it. And and like refuses help. And it's, no, no, you go do what you need to do. And that's, it's still, I mean, that's one of those things I struggle with, but I do try to delegate a little more. I don't have as much of a hard time to say, no, I, I can't do that. I need you to, you know, pick up on this or, I have to head out of town for work or whatever. Do you mind, you know, you know, can you do this? Um, and, and that's, that has truly improved my life dramatically. I yeah, absolutely, I have to tell you, you could probably take my job. <laughs> this whole conversation. I'm like, yes, yes. This is what I say all the time. <laughs> yes. Keep preaching to us. Aaron. Um, There's a, there is a gentleman named Bradley J who, um, would probably still want to do a podcast with me out there. So I hope you would. My, my old radio bud. Uh, well, You're like, I'm just putting it back out there. <laughs> I'm putting it out to the universe. Aaron's got a podcast next year. Oh, I don't think anybody's ready for that. But. Oh, we all are. Trust me. Yeah, just put it out there in the world. Um, but what would you say was 
the the biggest thing I know a lot of um, our listeners are moms, and they probably struggle with some mom guilt of making some time for themselves. How do you deal with that mom guilt, and how do you make time for yourself? So biggest regret of my my parenting is what you just mentioned. I didn't make enough time for myself, and I showed my children really really bad things. All three of them. I have um, two boys and a girl. Um, and I, and I don't think that I gave them a good example because I didn't take time for myself, like hardly ever. Um, and I really, now that they're in their twenties, um, you know, my youngest is 17, so he's, he's moving on, but you know, my older two are in their twenties. Um, I'm, I'm blessed that my daughter has a really good sense of health and, and she's really, really into body positivity which I think is amazing because I think she struggled for so long because I have unhealthy body issues, you know? And so I feel like if I had taken the time to do more self-care things, they would have a more positive view of that as well. And I think it's, I think it's vital. It's important. It's, it's not even so much that you're doing something for you. You're also teaching your children. I'm a boy, girl, it doesn't matter. You're teaching your children an important lesson and everybody needs that time. So, you know, for me, I think I wish I had taken more time when they were younger just to go on a walk by myself for my own sanity. Um, I wish I had gotten my hair and nails done. I wish I had taken more showers. Like, hello, I'll be the first to admit. I mean, it would go three or four days with some messy hair. And we didn't have dry shampoo back when my kids were babies, right? Like, that was not a thing. Okay. You didn't go to the store and pick up dry shampoo. I think I rubbed like baby powder in my head or something, which is probably the same thing as dry shampoo. But, um, you know, projectile baby shampoo. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So like you wouldn't, you know, so I looked like crap all the time, you know, like when I would go because I wouldn't take care of myself. And, you know, my kids always made sure they look nice, but that's not a good, it's not because you don't, I wouldn't want my children to grow up and not take care of themselves, even if they were parents. So how am I teaching them? What am I teaching them? It's it, That is probably one of my biggest regrets is not taking care of myself more so that my children can see that as an example. Yeah, but you can't beat yourself up too much because we all are messing up our kids a little bit at a time, I think. Oh, yeah, no, trust <laughs> me. I mean, now that they're in their 20s, it's on them. Like, it is what it is. If that's the worst thing that I did, it's fine. Like, yeah, they'll live. They'll like, figure it out. I'm like, there's no way to be a perfect parent. And as you know, having um, several children as well, and Jules, Jules has three, I have four, as they're all different. And (laughs) they're all different. And they're like, this works for this one, but not for this one. I don't know what I'm doing right now. (laughs) Well, and all my kids live at home. So even the ones in their 20s. So we have like this big Italian family where, you know, nobody's moving out until they get married, I think. So. (laughs) And right now I'm okay with it. Talk to me tomorrow. But right now I'm okay with it. Tomorrow I might be like everybody out. My son's godfather back in Australia he tried to do his own laundry one day. He's from a, a Macedonian and Italian family mm-hmm. background. So his parents are always in conflict with each other because of their backgrounds. Right. Yeah. He tried to do his laundry one day and his mother said, what, what's going on? And he went, what do you mean? What, why, why are you doing your washing? And he went, because I'm trying to help you out, Mum. What is wrong with the way I do your mm-hmm. washing? And he was just <laughs> like, oh, my God. And he was in his 20s. He's like, I'm genuinely trying to help you, Mum. 
don't you ever do laundry in my house again. And he's literally just gotten married and they're living in the house at the minute because his parents yeah, are now no. off travelling and they're, they're literally like, you will never leave this house. <laughs> no, eventually my children have to move out. They're okay. I'm thinking 25 is the cutoff. So, mm. you know, everybody keep an eye on, you know, if I come back in three years and my <laughs> oldest is still here, you know I've moved that line further on. Um, I, I do love my kids. I love a big family. So it works out. I mean, I love them until I don't. You know, those moments when I'm like, oh, my God, get out of my face. Like, I don't like you so much right now. I love you, but I don't like you right now. But, um, <laughs> you know, they're not around that much. Uh, and for, both of my children work with me, too. So on top of living with me, they also work with me. And so it's in, in different capacities. And so it's it's a really interesting dynamic in our house, for sure. So That's awesome. My, yeah. I got my three to sit in a triangle tonight because they were all arguing. Mine are three and six. I've mm-hmm. got twins that are three. And they'd all been arguing and they'd been fighting all afternoon and I don't have a T-shirt big enough to put all three heads through one <laughs> hole so I don't have the shirt <laughs> no, yeah. of we're getting along. So I made them sit in a circle <laughs> and I said, you're not getting up until you three can get along. And they sat there and they sat there for a good like 15 minutes and I was like, are we going to get along? And they like, two of them went, nope. I was like, okay, you can sit there longer. <laughs> they sat there for like 25 minutes. I was like, are we getting up anytime soon? Are we going to get along? They went, yeah, okay. I'm like, give everyone a hug. Nope, right, we'll sit there. And it went on and on. I was just like, this is Good just, for you, though. Come on. <laughs> so I'm messing my kids up in a circular pattern. <laughs> no, good, though. I mean, hey, listen, I always taught my kids that, like, no matter what, like, they always had each other, like, bottom line, like, especially because we moved so much, mm. like, that was, like, a big lesson for me is, like, you're going to pick up, you're going to move, and you're never going to see these people again, but you will always have your brother, your sister, you know, you will always be together, and so um, I think they're fairly close. They're older now, so they they don't, we have, we have some arguments still, but it's not, it's not as bad as it used to. Now when we have arguments, they tend to be pretty big, but, um, and sitting in a circle doesn't work as easy anymore. But, uh, <laughs> now it's, you go to your room, you go to your room, and I don't want to hear it again. Everybody shut up. So. No, we tried that, but one goes to sleep, one howls and cries, and the other one starts drawing pictures. Yeah, well, I'm I like... don't have twins either, so. <laughs> Bless you both for that, so. <laughs> I mean, my oldest two are 16 months apart, and that is nowhere close enough for twins. I could not do what the two of you have done. I'm glad you recognize that, because I'll have people that come up to me, well, mine are are only, like, 14 months apart. It's like having twins. I'm like, no, no, it's not. I have have one that's a little less than two years older than the twins. (laughs) So, no, Mm -hmm. no, it's not the same. But, I mean, it's still, I mean, it's still hard to have multiple, I, I feel like I, somebody posted on Facebook, um, the hard transition is from one to two, but from two to three or four is, is like nothing because it's just like, oh, more the merrier. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought too. But when I, when I found out I was um, having my, my son, my youngest, um, I was like, holy cow. Because my daughter was four and my oldest was five. And I thought, oh my gosh, we're doing this crap again. Like, are you, I mean, like, seriously, four years later, and now we're in diapers again? Like, what am I thinking right now? What is happening in my life? 
And that was, I don't know, that third one, he was a handful on top of it. He walked it. He was running at eight months. So I, he, he was running and then he was escaping from our home at eight months with, you know, neighbors bringing him back at 6 a.m. in the morning. So, I mean, he was an escape artist. So he was a handful. There's a reason I stopped at three. I would never, if he was the first, he would have been an only child. So for sure. I would have quickly figured out birth control if he was the first one. So. Our neighbors brought the twins back one day as well. I went to the bathroom and came out and I was like, this house is a bit quiet and the doorbell rang. I opened the door yep. and there's our neighbor standing with the twins going, are these yours? And I went, mm-hmm. yes. How did they get out? And he's like, I have no idea, but they were very happily giggling and running down the street. And I was like, that's yeah. not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, no, it happens. It happens to everybody. I don't care who you are. Your kids will do something that'll make you feel like the like child protective services is coming to your door any minute. Like yeah. my next door neighbor texted me and said, "Your daughter's at my house watching TV right now." She was only like two and a half. I'm like, what is she doing over there? And I realized I'd sent her back inside because we were building our house at that point, or we just finished. Mm-hmm. And we were doing something out the back with dad. I said, Joy, just go back inside for a minute. I'll be in in a second. So she walked straight through the house, out the front door, up the road into Leah's house and was like, hi, I've come to play. I'm going to sit and watch TV, okay? I was just like, oh, God. Always Good an adventure. Lord. I was, uh, my, my escape artist was Carmel and I was hungover one morning and just sleeping in. I'm like, go watch cartoons. Well, Carmel didn't realize that I was actually under the blanket. She thought I had actually, like, left the apartment to, like, do our laundry. It was out in the hallway. And she thought I was out there doing laundry. Well, little did she know, when she closed the door, it locks on itself. So Carmel, not seeing me under the blanket, walks out to see if I'm doing laundry, and the door shuts on her. And I'm, like, sleeping, slumbering away peacefully, not knowing until the neighbor's like, boom, 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 boom. Your daughter was out in the hallway crying for you. And I was like, oh, my God. My heart, like, broke. I'm like, I'm the worst mom in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you question everything about your parenting. And you're just like, but if it's happened to all three of us, then it happens to a lot of us. Yeah. A lot. No shame. It happens. and and, And really, truly, that's parenting. Like, that's when you know you've joined the club. Like when your kids have done something that has truly embarrassed you while also wondering if they're going to call child protective services and you may be going to jail at some point. That's when you you join the parenting club. (laughs) You need the hashtag shit that's not on your highlight reel. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's a new podcast hashtag. Everybody start using it. (laughs) Just so you know. Um, I will take great joy in watching all those hashtags <laughs> pop up too. <laughs> there you go. We are running out of time, ladies. Erin, uh, we've really enjoyed having you. And we're going to wrap this up with our last five questions that we have. Um, so our first one is, what does authenticity mean to you? Um, so to me, authenticity is really, it's something that you should own personally and something that you, you really truly need to get to know yourself. Don't, don't fake the funk. Um, be authentic, go in wholeheartedly in everything you do, be 100% there. I like that. So how do you make time for self-care? I know you said you struggled with it before, but I'm really hoping you'll tell me that you make time for it now. So now I'm a little bit better because I've surrounded me myself with people that forced me to do it. And that's really what I need. So I have a tribe of folks that check in. Um, I have a partner who forces it to happen. 
I have family members that make it happen. So that's what I need. I need, um, I need that check-in. I need those people to say, what are you doing for you? Or, or we're going to go do this, or I got you a massage, you know, those kind of things. Or, you know, um, Casey, who's been on your show, um, we've walked before in the past in the mornings. And so things like that really help me out. Um, that's what I need personally, because otherwise I'll just work all day. No, that's why I have that, uh, my top tier program, which is the lifestyle empowerment program, which is literally, uh, I text my client every single day and my, I only have one client signed up for right now. I'll only take two on at a time because it's really time consuming. Um, but she said that's why she wanted that program so bad. She's like, I need you mm-hmm. <laughs> on me <laughs> every mm-hmm. day. She's like, I'm scared, but I'm excited all at once. <laughs> yeah, I've got people who like conspire behind my back. My sister, my daughter, and my boyfriend conspire behind my back in a really great way to make sure that I'm getting those things that I need. Or sometimes I'm getting a new bag, like they conspired the other day and I got a new Michael Kors bag. So really sweet stuff. I love that. And see, people often think like self-care just has to be exercise and eating right, but there's so much more to it. It's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. And I would say a new bag is (laughs) self-care. It is for me. It is for me. Mine's getting my hair cut like once every four months, <laughs> but it's something. <laughs> yeah. Or dinner absolutely. with your girlfriends. That that seriously is like one of the best self care mm. things that I ever do is hanging out with friends. Like I just want to talk and get hugs. That's what I want. <laughs> That's kind well, of a lot. That that ends up being a lot of my self care is you know every other weekend or so we have a pretty packed um kind of what we call a kid free weekend where it's pretty packed full of lots of great friends and fun stuff to do. I like that. See, we go for dinner each week. So we do like self-care as the family and we make sure that we're all in one place at one time and sitting and eating and not with any distractions. Like we just sit and enjoy each other's company, which is what Chris and I both love doing actually, which is very strange. We were talking about it the other day. So I love how self-care is not one size fits all. Everybody thinks that mm. there's this magic like self-care routine out there that's for good for everybody, but it's really not. Um, so Erin, what is your biggest struggle as a modern woman? Ooh, um, probably to realize that I don't have to do everything. Um, so I used to, you know, take on all the things, all the things. Um, and so now I don't, I don't want to be super mom. Like I don't want to be super woman. I still do take on a lot of things. But I often say no to a lot of things now, too. I also um, struggle with walking away from relationships still. Um, but I think I'm getting better at that. There are still, you know, there are relationships in my life that are still um, kind of damaging and, and things like that. So that's that's something I struggle with, I think, trying to balance, you know, um, being there for everybody, doing all the things, but making sure that I'm in healthy relationships, I'm doing healthy things. So that's a real struggle for me. I think it is for a lot of people. I made a Facebook video for um, my Megan Hall Motivation Facebook page about what to do when you have a negative person in your life. And, and you know, I really said the last and final thing I said was, you know, walk away if it's really that bad. But there's so much between, the you know, you recognizing there's a negative relationship to you walking away that can be done before that happens. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just think they have to cut and run. But it didn't get there overnight. You know, it might actually be right. something that you can save. 
in the long right. run. I agree. And I think that's what one, a lot of the times, um, the things I try to, um, to juggle, you know, not everything's, you know, sex in the city relationships, you know, let's be real. So, you I know, wish. I, <laughs> sunshine I and lollipops. I wouldn't mind it. I have a couple of friends that I have pinpointed that I would go live that life with but um you know so I think that's one of the things I struggle with you know making sure that I'm not overwhelming myself making sure that I'm not overwhelming myself relationship wise as well and that the things that I'm putting in um I'm also getting out um so I realize that it's okay to to get something from every relationship that I'm in no matter what that something is I need to get something back um from those relationships even though I can be awfully terrible at giving stuff in relationships because I become so busy, but, um, you know, I will make an effort at some point or, um, you know, it, it might be a small effort, but, uh, you know, so now I look for relationships that I get something out of, even if that's just making me smile, you know, something as easy as that, as opposed to that I get something negative out of. I like that. And it's funny that we were just talking about relationships because our next question is to share one tip that you have for creating um, positive relationships with others? Um, so I think you have to be really honest. I mean, any of that's probably super cliche, but I'm not talking about like, don't cheat on your spouse. Like, okay, that's a given. Don't cheat on your spouse, right? But I think you have to be honest what you're in the relationship for, what you expect out of the relationship and what you're there to give to the relationship. Because I think that's kind of all the things you need to have in a positive relationship. So, you know, what am I looking for from you? Um, and this doesn't have to be spoken. It needs, it can be, you know, just understood. But what am I looking for out of this relationship with you? What do you know that I'm going to give you as part of that relationship? And then um, also too, you know, just making sure that I'm being honest about what I'm offering up and what I want from you. So I think a lot of times, um, especially women, I think sometimes we kind of cut down a lot of what we want in a relationship and settle in relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, whatever the relationship may be. Oftentimes we settle. You don't have to settle. You can you can ask for realistic things. You know, don't expect the moon if you're not prepared to give the moon back. But I think if you have a good, healthy understanding of what you're looking for from a relationship and you're willing to give similar things back, I think you're going to see a good ebb and flow in your relationship. It will never be perfect. One day I'll tell you about the apple juice fight of 2015. And, um, you know, that's the biggest fight in my relationship has been about apple juice. So, um, you know, and that's because we like, you know, we try to mitigate things head on, you know, but also too. I know what to expect from my partner. I know what to expect from my best girlfriends and my best guy friends. And they know what to expect from me. They know I'm flaky. They know sometimes I'm not always, I'm not the person that's going to send you. I hope you have a great text message, even if they are, or a great text message, a great day in a text message, even if they are the kind of people that'll send that to me. Um, but they know I'll give them other things. And so we're just honest about what we expect from each other. And I think that's my most successful relationships. I like that. And I'm going to share, I'm going to link it up in the show notes um, for anybody that doesn't know how to find the show notes, inspiredwomenpodcast.com. And we have show notes for every episode is uh, the two books by Shasta Nelson, which is Friendships Just Don't Happen and Friendtimacy. And Shasta Nelson is going to be coming on our podcast. Wow, uh, nice. 
Yeah, in the future, uh, she has, uh, her and I have had conversations, and she said uh, when she's not so busy, she'd love to come. So I'm excited. Uh, but yes, guys, go check out those books because a lot of what Erin just said, she says in her book, or in her books also. Um, and finally, Erin, what is one motto that you live by? Um, I don't know that I have a motto anymore. Um, it's probably just be true to yourself. I think that's the thing I've learned the most, you know, coming through um, a lot of things I didn't even share, but, you know, just coming through my marriage, coming through being a teenage mother, coming through being a single mother, all the struggles, um, both um, career wise and, and, you know, financially and everything. I just, in the end, I feel like I actually came out true to myself in the end, finally, um, finally. And so now I'm finally true to me. And that's the most important person I feel like I need to be honest with. Um, and that actually makes my heart happy to know that that's how I feel, that I'm really true to myself finally. And I'm doing things that are good for me, good for my life. And that makes me feel good. Well, thank you, Erin, for coming on and sharing your story. We've absolutely Please. loved it. Go ahead. Did you have something thank to say? Thank you. Jules? No, I'm just unmuting so I could say I love talking and listening. I was Really, really interesting from where I'm sitting because I've never met you before. So yeah, I like hearing people's fun. stories. Uh, yes, and it's great because, I mean, sometimes I feel if we ask a lot of questions, but sometimes we don't. And I felt like your your story flowed just naturally and we were able to get to know you more. And uh, there's a lot of points that I'm sure that our audience is really going to relate to, even if they've not been there, that they can be like, okay, yeah, I understand. I understand that. So thank you, Aaron, for coming on. Thank you for having me. I loved it. Thank you for tuning into the Inspired Women podcast. If you're a woman in search of a positive, supportive community, we'd love to have you join us. Just search the Inspired Women community on Facebook and click the join button. Don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, and share this out with your friends. We'll see you next week.